Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about two very different experimental artists. The Baltimore electronic musician Dan Deacon recently released his original score for Well Groomed, an HBO documentary about the colorful world of competitive dog grooming. To mark the occasion, Dan spoke to InputMag.com about the gear he used to make the soundtrack. He was also kind enough to join us on the Input Output podcast to talk about the album and life during lockdown. But before we begin our chat, here's a taste of Dan's new release, a track called Adrienne in Wonderland. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for having me. So what drew you to do the music for a documentary about competitive dog grooming? I had just done two pretty heavy docs prior to this. One was Rat Film, which is about history of redlining and racial segregation and systematic bias in Baltimore. And the other is Time Trial, which was about uh, a British cyclist David Miller, who was caught in a doping scandal and trying to come back into his career, just realizing it was over and that he had basically ruined his life and could not regain what he had. You know, you have to get in the mindset of what you're scoring. And they're they're very heavy topics and I was really glad to do them. But when this one came about, I was like, colorful dogs. Sounds like a nice change of pace. And what did you learn about that world of competitive dog grooming? I think I learned how similar it is to the world of experimental underground music. People who have creative tendencies are going to find a way to get them out. Sometimes those ways are conventional and sometimes those ways are very unconventional. And the women in this film, none of them would have identified as artists earlier in their life until they discovered this medium. It's art, so it's subjective. The point of it is to make people smile. I love to compete. Just me and the dog and a table full of color. And I often wonder, like, if Duke Ellington was born in the 1400s, would they have been a musician? Like, if Fred Astaire was born before tap dance, would they have been a dancer? Would... Would I be an electronic musician if I was born in the 1800s? But I've been a musician at all. So that kind of got me interested being like, we're in the period of time where creative dog grooming is in its infancy and these people are drawn to it. And it also made me think about like the critical aspect of it and the competition and the mindset that the women got into. And I don't know, I related to the characters a lot and... I don't necessarily agree or disagree with the concept of dog grooming or dog breeding in general, but it was fun to be an outside observer to that world, but to, I don't know, see a lot of relationship to it within my own art and how I make work that falls in between the cracks often and is for some people they find it beautiful and for other people they find it annoying or repulsive. Do you have a dog of your own? I have no pets. No pets at all? Well, before COVID, I, you know, I would be on tour 200 days a year. So that makes sense. I was going to ask you, how have you been spending quarantine? Uh, I've been spending it, I think, well now. In the beginning, I just played Doom 2 
you know, the game from the 90s on my Switch, like, for an embarrassing number of hours and couldn't really get uh, motivated. But I started rereading the Twyla Tharp book, The Creative Habit, and that kind of got me back into the mind space of, like, just going to my studio no matter how I felt. And so now I write pretty much all day long and I have luckily some projects to work on and I'm scoring a couple of films right now, but I'm also back in the headspace of just writing music for me, like regaining the hobby, if that makes any sense. I think for a lot of people who had their hobby turn into their career, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that you lost your hobby and everyone needs a hobby. I think video games becoming my hobby sort of reminded me that I wanted a better hobby, like no just to video games. It's just not the hobby for me. Like after Doom, I was like, oh, I'll get into, this is my impression of me. It's the, my inner inner voice is always like, oh, maybe you can get into uh, Breath of the Wild. People seem to really love that game. And I did, I became obsessed with it. But the whole time I was just sort of like, all right, as soon as I find like another temple, then I'll go write some music. And I was like, I'm turning like video game chores into real life chores so I can go do something that I, I, I just... I don't know. The time has been pretty well spent. When you tour so much, it's hard to have an inventory of your life when so much time is spent constantly, you know, scheduled down to the minute and you're in a new place every six hours. It's been challenging when I think about the future. Like, I don't know how many venues will be around in a year or two years. I don't know how many labels or distros will survive. So it's hard to think about it in that sense. But in regards to the present it's nice to have the time to write and compose and do more personal, uh, I don't know, I keep thinking about it like gardening within my own mind. So you're obviously known for your energetic live shows. Is it killing you not to be out on the road? Uh, I do miss it quite a bit. It was a major part of my identity and easily how I spent 50% of the last decade. And I was in the headspace to be touring all year. I was in LA on March 13th. That was the day when like states started really shutting down. All performances were off. I definitely grieved the loss of of that aspect of my life for a couple of weeks, fell into like a depression. And like I said, just started, you know, falling into video games. But, uh, and I do miss it, but I do think it'll return. I don't know when or how, but one glimmer of hope that I just keep going back to is that, you know, music and the human need to gather in groups has outlived every plague and catastrophe before it and, you know, outlives history itself. So I do miss it and I do look forward to it, but I don't see it as, as gone in a permanent sense. You can follow Dan on Twitter at eBay Netflix. Now on to today's second story. The queer Muslim artist Zulfikar Ali Bhutto Jr. blends ideas of faith, radical thought, and futurism, challenging audiences to not just imagine a different future, but to consider a changed present. Writer Iman Sultan recently profiled the multimedia artist, whose drag alter ego is named Faluda Islam, for InputMag.com. Here's Iman reading an excerpt from her piece. Faluda Islam is the alter ego of Zulfikar Ali Bhutto Jr., also known as Zulfi, a queer Muslim artist based in the Bay Area. 
Valbhutto works across textile, drawing, video, and even drag performance. The unifying factor in his art is a direct confrontation with white supremacy and a reclamation of what it means to be queer and Muslim. I say this a lot, but queerness is not just who you fuck, it's the systems you fuck up, Bhutto said. I wanted to challenge what a Muslim looked like and what it meant to be Muslim. But I also wanted to challenge what queerness was, because queerness is unlimited and infinite. Welcome to the show, Iman. Thanks for having me. So for those who aren't familiar with Zulfi, he has quite a storied background. What can you tell us about that? So Zulfi Bhutto is a queer Muslim artist based in the Bay Area. And he's originally from Pakistan, from Karachi, Pakistan. And he's actually the son of Mir Murtaza Bhutto, who was a left-wing political activist, part of a political dynasty in Pakistan. Zulfi's family, the Bhutto family, were involved in politics, specifically democratic politics in Pakistan. And I say democratic because Pakistan, for most of its existence, has been under military dictatorship. So Zulfi's grandfather, after whom he's named, was democratically elected prime minister, and then he was actually executed by Zia al-Haq, a military dictator in the late 1970s. My father was killed, my grandfather was killed, my uncle was killed, my aunt was killed. All very brave people and people who I love dearly and I admire their sacrifices. So Zulfi obviously has a very famous family legacy, but he is also queer and he's Muslim and he's also an artist. So the way in which he interprets that family legacy, but also the way in which he does his art is very, we can say, non-traditional and also very eclectic and new. What drew you to write about Zulfi and his work? So what I really enjoy about Zulfi's work is that he's not afraid to take risks as an artist or break the mold of what a queer person or a Muslim person or a queer Muslim is supposed to act like. In general, Muslims are not widely represented in media, and if they are, it's always playing to a very particular narrative. For example, if the Muslim community is is trying to represent itself in media, there's usually a lot of respectability involved. There's a lot of pandering to this narrative that we're Americans and that we need to integrate into America and that we're not terrorists, etc. And then you start citing stereotypes. I'm a Muslim that's kicked off a plane, but you do it in a way that like, oh, I know that story. Oh wait, he is a Muslim. Oh shit, he's a queer Muslim. And he's doing drag in this bar. You know, and it kind of, it brings people in. You're seducing your audience. What Zulfi does, he also represents himself as a queer person, and he's very unapologetic about who he is. And in doing that, he, is able to represent other queer Muslims or queer people from the same region in the Middle East and South Asia who can then relate with his artwork. He's not very much interest invested in respectability. And then he also uses the aesthetics of where he comes from to express himself. So for example, one of the first visual artworks I saw of Zulfi in Philadelphia a couple of years ago was a fabric art installation and Zulfi used traditional textiles and fabrics from Pakistan to make this artwork. And what is it that you like about his work so much? 
What I really like about it is that he owns his identity as a queer Muslim. He's very unapologetic about how he expresses himself and the inspirations that he pulls. Zulfi explores science fiction and technology themes. Can you talk about those a little bit? So Zulfi's alter ego, Faluda Islam, is a drag queen from the future, but she's also a revolutionary. According to Zulfi's narrative, somewhere in the future, there's been a war and Faluda Islam has been killed in it. And then she's resurrected through Wi-Fi technology. And then Zulfi um, does a lot of what he calls Sufi sci-fi. With Sufi sci-fi, for example, he's designed these uh, minarets. A minaret is like a tower that is emerging from a mosque. It's usually where the person who gives the call to prayer stands so that everyone can hear it. So these minarets are actually part of a spaceship, and the name of the spaceship is called Rahim, which means mercy in Arabic, and it's one of the 99 names of God. And what the people on the spaceship do is they use numerology and numbers and mystic traditions to actually power the spaceship. So what this artwork does is it uses inspirations and influences from the past to kind of conceive of this radical and mystical future. So say someone listening to this wants to check out some of Zulfi's work, where would be a good place to start? I think the best place to start would probably be his website because he has all his different installations and series compiled on there. But then his website also has a direct link to his Vimeo. And on his Vimeo, you can see a lot of his video art, such as the Tomorrow We Inherit the Earth series in which Faluda Islam narrates who she is, where she came from, and why what she's doing is important. My name is Faluda Islam, and I am 29 years old. Brothers and sisters and those who combine the two, how do you marry the earth? How do you crawl into Mother Nature's bedchamber? How do you await her embrace? An excerpt from a performance art that he did collaboratively with other artists in San Francisco and it's called the Queer Intifada. So most of Zulfi's artwork you can see on Vimeo or on his website. You can follow Iman on Twitter at Karachi, I-I-T-E, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening.